Katie Brain and you're listening to Goodness Gracious Grief. The loss of a family member or friend, as sad as it may be, is inevitable. According to the Office of National Statistics, this year already, in three months between January and March, there were 134,337 deaths in the UK. So death is hardly unusual, and yet, when you hear that someone dies it's still hard to know what to say to their loved ones. We don't like talking about death. Death is really uncomfortable. Even thinking about death, when and how we might die, is not natural for most of us. And the whole idea of mortality is a strange and scary subject to be discussing. Thinking about the end can definitely be a conversation killer and not a chat you want to be having down the pub on a Friday night. But without talking about it, we can't build a vocabulary around death, and it means we are almost incapable of properly supporting people who are grieving. Just this week, I had a very open conversation with someone whose mother had died within the last two weeks, and most of the time during this chat, we were laughing. That's not wrong. There can be humour in death. You're not laughing at the person that is gone, but you're remembering who they were and wondering what would they be saying if they could see you now. Knowing what to say and how to say it is extremely difficult, whether it's a colleague who's grieving or a close friend who's experienced the death of a loved one. We will always worry about saying the wrong thing. And for that reason, many of us, don't say anything at all. So I thought today I would try and help us learn what we should and shouldn't say to someone who is grieving. And to help me with that, I spoke to Claire Collins, a bereavement coordinator and counsellor at the Marie Curie Hospice in Hampstead. I started by asking Claire if she thinks the British population are still quite awkward when someone dies And does she see people being avoided when they lose someone close to them because they just don't know what to say? Absolutely. People still cross the road to to get away from somebody who's grieving because they just don't know what to say. And I think it's, you know, there's plenty of evidence with the Dying Matters Coalition that these conversations aren't being had. People shy away. People don't make wills. People don't make provisions for after their death. It's like it won't happen, but it happens to all of us. And it's, it is definitely part of societal that we, we don't talk enough about dying. Talking about it just doesn't make it happen. No, absolutely not. And even, you know, a simple comment, a couple of words, would, would that be better than nothing? I think so. I think so. Um, just, a, just acknowledging the fact that somebody has died and that somebody is sad it can open a conversation but it doesn't demand that a conversation is had so Mm. it leaves things yeah open to for the grieving person to take the opportunity or not as they may feel able to so yes I think it is better to say something than than nothing at all would you say that someone who is grieving is, is quite a vulnerable person well yes it will depend on the loss Somebody, for example, who has been caring for um, somebody 
has died will find a massive kind of hole in their life. They're taking somebody through hospital appointments and everything that you have to do to care for somebody is is a full-time job. And often things will uh, go by the wayside, like friendships, uh, you're, uh, the carer's job. They might give up work to look, for the, look after the person. So they can become isolated as well. So somebody who has experienced a loss can end up quite isolated and vulnerable. Um, somebody who has spent a long time with a with a partner can be can end up quite uh, vulnerable because they've lost the focus of their life. They have to. There's no spontaneity. Any if they see people, they have to arrange to see people. Whereas they've had companionship for years, so it, that that makes them quite vulnerable. When you're least able to kind of reach out and ask people for support is when you have to most. Otherwise, you might not speak to people. So that's um, that that isolation is also uh, a factor that would make people quite vulnerable. Also, after a long period of caring or the shock of a sudden death, people can, can become quite ill themselves. It's proven that people who are bereaved can have a weakened mm. immunity system, so will find themselves ill for various reasons themselves. So the death can make people vulnerable in lots of different ways, health-wise, um, socially, emotionally. I would say, yes, it can, but it doesn't have to. No. It depends on the death. Absolutely. And and obviously you're an expert in this field, but for, for someone who's never experienced grief before and they're, they're suddenly faced, you know, with a friend who's lost their mum or dad, how can they read that person? Are there going to be, you know, mood swings? Is it is it going to be a kind of a, a roller coaster ride for that grieving person? And how do they know kind of what situation they're going to face if they, you know, go and, and meet them for a coffee? I think number one, an expert. I wouldn't say I am. I've done it. I've, I've I've met with lots of people, but everybody's different. And I think there's no rule of thumb about how what what you say to somebody or what you do because everybody's story will be different. So I would say it goes back to just to listening to to what their context is. If you've had a fantastic relationship with your parents, or your a parent who has died and there are no issues from childhood that are kind of left over. Um, it, it's tremendously sad when that person dies, but you might not be left with some of the issues that somebody who'd had a very traumatic relationship with a parent had had. Mm. Um, so both people can be equally as sad, but one death can, can re-stimulate lots of issues from the past. So I think the, the, the recommendations that I'd give to anybody is listen without trying to make things better. You just, what we all want is to be listened to and, and to be heard. And there is no right or wrong way to do that. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. But when somebody wants to talk, listen to their story. Don't tell them what happened to, you know, a cousin of a friend of yours and what they should, what they did. And I think it becomes quite difficult for people when people offer solutions all the time and you should do this and you should do that. I think that's the most that's the biggest gift that anyone can give to somebody who, who is grieving to listen to their story. And um, in terms of what you can do to make it easier for them, make concrete offers. 
I think it's very difficult to hear that phrase, oh, I'm here for you. You need to be quite concrete about what you're there to do or, you know, would you like to go for a walk on Thursday? And if not Thursday, when? Is it okay if I call you back next week if you don't call me this week? What are the most unhelpful comments I know you said earlier I know how you feel and kind of comparing your story to to theirs what's just unhelpful and not a good thing to say to someone who's grieving well I think there are the usual suspects like um, I know how you feel they're in a better place everything happens for a reason God wanted them more than you know more than you did which is certainly not true time heals there's truth in there's truth in all of those things, but they can be quite upsetting at the time. Saying things like things happen for a reason and they're in a better place, they're quite, you know, bright sided statements. So you I think people assume they are the, the right things to say, but should we really kind of be matching their feelings by talking about the death? Is that a not a negative conversation, but should we be reflecting their sad thoughts rather than trying to put a positive spin on things? You can be present and you can be interested and you can ask questions. You can, you know, you can say, is there anything that's been helpful for you? Is there anything that you can think of that I can do to help you? Um, you can share memories about the person. You can ask about the person that's died. Yeah, you can engage in conversation with the person. Are there things that they might like to have said to the person? What are the hardest, what have been the hardest things for you? I remember one of the the best things uh, for me when I lost my dad is my my friend bought me round a ready meal. And I mean, eating wasn't on my mind at all. This was literally in the days after. But that meal kind of just, sticks in my memory because I think if it wasn't for that generosity of just bringing that round and saying eat this and make sure you do I probably wouldn't have and I you know would have just carried on keeping myself busy but that that's something that just really stuck out in my head that gesture that that was really really something prominent for me and those small acts of kindness are absolutely enormous the practical help getting somebody out taking them for a meal, bringing them a meal, um, asking if you'd like, if they'd like you to run them a bath and just mm. be there while they're having a bath, not in the room, but, you know, just around for them. <laughs> so they've got company. Those are really big things. You know, if somebody has children, taking the children out, it can be very hard to be getting on with life and be responsible for children or making space to grieve. So offering a parent the chance to just have a quiet bath while you look after the children is enormous. Just as big as that ready meal that, that somebody gave to you, which was an enormous gift to you. And if you, you are in that situation where you're with someone who's grieving and everything's kind of going okay, they're on this steady path, but they suddenly have a turn and they have this huge moment of, of sadness or, or anger and they start wanting to talk about the person they lost. Should you steer them away from that and back to this positivity or, or should you just let them get everything off their tongue? What, what's the best thing to do in that situation? Professionally, when, when I look at somebody who's angry, I will see somebody who is looking for a bit of control, perhaps. Mm. You can lose control when 
somebody dies, the worst thing has happened. They have to spend a long time putting life back together sometimes. Um, so they can become fixated on certain things, the appointment that, that was missed can have a lot more significance than perhaps it should. And I think that anger is, it comes to the surface at a time of helplessness and it's a way of regaining a bit of control. I would move heaven and earth to, to make sure this never happens again. It's a way of getting back some control when you feel out of control. And if somebody is angry, I don't think it's good to steer them away. Mm. You might ask them to tell you more about what what the what made them angry. Tell them by talking things through. Things change. They get back they get put back in cognitively differently. So if somebody is angry, ask them to tell you what they're angry about and why they're angry about that thing. And I think it can be really hard for somebody supporting somebody else when they will focus on the same thing and say the same thing time and time again. But that person really needs to. Um, I think we're moving on to kind of a period where if somebody gets stuck and they're stuck in their anger, they might need some support. But the vast majority of people don't need professional support. But grief can become complicated at times. And if somebody becomes really stuck in anger they might need some support to work their way through that the other thing I want to know is when is the best time to offer help because that immediate kind of aftermath of when someone has died people you know are quite busy there's a lot of formalities that need to be done a funeral needs to be arranged but when the funeral's over is, is that the time when someone might need more support um, well, generally, we offer support at around the six-week mark because um, after a death, there's probably lots of administration to be done, you know, going to register the death, which is which is very difficult, um, changing bank accounts, stopping benefits. There are so many things that need to be done after somebody dies, and people are generally there to support them in the first couple of weeks. Arranging a funeral can take so much time, it doesn't happen very quickly often. We have cases where people aren't buried for a month after the after the death. In some religions, it happens very quickly. If, if a funeral happens quickly for religious reasons, that there might be more support, uh, formal support around the family or, or from the religious community than there are for people who aren't necessarily part of any kind of um, faith community. I think that it's when everybody's getting back to work, when everything is going back to normal for people, that that time when people don't mention the the loss anymore. Um, mm. So I imagine that that is a time, the time of about six weeks could be right. And sorry, I haven't answered that question very well. <laughs> but I would say that possibly a, a month to six weeks after a death, that's the time when you're probably more cut off from the purposeful tasks that you have to get through that you have to do to give you a reason to to keep going and you're trying to get back back into life again that might come a month six weeks two months for some people it might come three or four months for other people and it really depends whether they're working and they have to kind of put on a game face to go to work and uh, they get a bit of respite from the grief 
But if you've been caring for somebody and your life is completely empty after the death of the person, then it might be sooner for you. When I have friends who, you know, parents are, are, are unwell, it's not particularly good news. What's the, the best thing to, to say to someone who has a family member who is dying? Because obviously for me, I, I have experienced grief and I, I have that empathy and I, I know it's not a good outcome. So kind of in, in general, what should we say, you know, to someone who's kind of grieving the impending loss of, of, of someone they love? I think it's everything that we've said, all of the things that we've said, offering to meet with them, to be with them, to talk to them, because very often the grieving doesn't start at the point of death. The grieving can start at the point of diagnosis. Um, lots of lots of my friends have parents with dementia and the journey up until death has been very traumatic and they've grieved the parent that's not been there. People that are diagnosed with cancer now can have a journey of years. Um, it's, it doesn't necessarily kill people straight away. Um, so there can be lots of grieving that's done before. So I would say that all of the things, if somebody is in a bad, you see somebody in a low mood or struggling, the same thing, offer them, offer them a meal, offer them to talk, offer them to, to go for a walk with them and let them say how they're feeling because very often those feelings will be consumed by caring for the person that you're looking after so everything that we've said I think it still applies to say I'll be there for you I am here for you in my day job professionally I don't say all of the euphemisms I try not to and it's kind of hard to hold the balance between holding out hope for somebody but not using the euphemisms because I know from my own loss journey that time does heal um but you know outside i'm just as likely to use the euphemisms as anybody else and we don't we use them trying to be trying to comfort people and um, it's all we've got in the absence of um some training and some some healthy boundaries it's all we've got so it's really great that you're getting the message out there to people that they don't have to fix other people but they just have to listen. I think that's really important. That was Claire Collins, a bereavement coordinator and counsellor at the Marie Curie Hospice in Hampstead. If you are in need of support or have any questions about any aspect of terminal illness, including clinical support, you can call the Marie Curie Information and Support Line free on 0800 090 2309 or just visit www.mariecurie.org.uk forward slash help. What I've learned is to mirror the language of those grieving. If someone uses the words died, then use it too. We don't need to tiptoe around the subject. The bereaved are not asking for sympathy. They're looking for support and trying to soften the blow by saying passed away or lost just seems a bit silly. My dad is not lost. He is dead. That's a fact. If you're not ready to be that blunt yet, and you still find yourself at loss for words, here are a few things of what you could say. There are no words to tell you how sorry I am. 
please know that you are in our thoughts. If there is anything I can do to help, please let me know. Or my favourite memory of this person is this. Please don't hesitate to reach out. You have my deepest sympathy. Know that we are all thinking of you. We are here for you if you need anything. I'm Katie Brain and you've been listening to Goodness Gracious Grief.